want to talk, and if you want to know what I believe, there, there, are, there are different types of people in church. There's the one stone person and the five stone person. And I, I just want to talk about that. Okay, if you want to call it anything, one stone and five stone people. Now I'm not talking about people who are stoned, although that'll come into it. But one stone and five now I want to know what you are. And you need to know what you are. You see, there are many, many people, when they get into situations in life, they always are just grasping for their next need. They're gasping for the next thing that comes to them and they don't appreciate the future. And they don't see that God expects me to be prepared for eternal life. Not for the moment. And most Christians live for the moment. They don't live beyond the day. And you say, well it says take no thought for the morrow. Don't take thought for the morrow, but really deal with the situations in your life. Not just the crisis situation, but every situation. It's no good just dealing with a thing that's mounted up in you. You've got to deal with the things that are going to be a problem in the future. You can deal with them today. And most Christians don't do that. And you say, well, where is he going? That's a good question. But I, I want to talk, I, I've talked on it before, but come back with me, because it stirred in my spirit this morning. And when something stirs in my spirit, that's it. You can have the choir later, if they... Go back with me to 1 Samuel, chapter 17. Okay, you need a good authorized version. Don't come here with a perversion. If you get a perversion, change it. There's plenty of Bibles in the bookshop. Uh, I, I don't like all the perversions. You know, I, I know people say that they're more correct. Well, I want to tell you something. Inspiration does not ever substitute for perspiration. And I like good, beautiful language. And if you can't understand it, you get educated. Uh, and that's the end of it. Um, Go with me to um, um, uh, I don't know where to start. Oh, verse twenty six. Uh, I'm in 1 Samuel 17. Are you all there? Did I say that? Okay, here. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine, and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine, that he should defy the armies of the living God? 
And the people answered him after this manner, so shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And then you remember Eliabi's brother starts uh, saying, oh David, you know. I want to go down and look at something that's real interesting and often misquoted and um, but here David turns round um, and the words, uh, verse 31, and the words were heard which David spake and they rehearsed them before Saul and he sent for him and David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him, thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went after him, and smote him, and delivered him out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, and smote him, and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. Look, there are two things I want you to notice about David. One is that all the other people in the army were in fear. Everyone was afraid. It's amazing how one person can see circumstances from a different perspective to everyone else. And if you're a Christian, you see everything from God's perspective. It's amazing how many people see it from a negative perspective. I find people, if there's 20% wrong with something, they'll major on the 20% and ignore the 80%. Why? Because that's their way. There are people that can see a problem, you know, one boat goes down and they'll say the whole fleet sunk. Uh, there are people with negative attitudes, aren't there? Hello? I want to talk to you. You know? There are people who always can find, if something goes wrong, the whole world's collapsing. Huh? If something becomes a challenge, everything's a challenge. I need to talk to you. You need to grow up. I find they, they call themselves Christians, but they're not, they're heathens. You, you push down things, you say, well, it can't be. Well, it can be, because God is God, and he's on the throne. And here's David, and he starts to get people to see things in the right perspective. And it's so important, when you look at anything in life, to look at the right perspective. If you look at it from your perspective instead of God's, you go down. But when you start looking at it from God's perspective, you see it differently. And David says, look, doesn't matter. Don't let any man's heart fail him from fear. We're going up. This giant's had it. He's in trouble. And I want to tell you this morning, the devil's in trouble. He's always in trouble when I'm around. Uh, uh, people say, oh, you know, the devil this, the devil that, the devil nothing. 2,000 years ago, Jesus defeated him. Took away all his power, all his ability. The lies come when you start giving voice to the lies. A lot of people get in there, oh, can't understand this, I can't understand that. Well, who made you that smart? Grow up. 
I don't need to understand, I believe God. That's sufficient for me. Too many people live in their intellect. And I'll tell you, if you rely on your intellect, you're going to be in trouble. If you see a lion or a bear, hey, you know, it doesn't take much to kill them. Really doesn't. It's only that you think they have strength. But God's on our side. And when God's for me, who can be against me? Turn around to the person next to you say, If God's for you, everyone else is in trouble. <laughs> they really are. But you see then, when you come to the fact there's the one stone people and the five stone people. And that's really where the crux comes. And that's what's important. See? And it's in this story. I'll explain it. You might need explanation. See? That's what I'm here to do. Explain it. Glory to God. David said moreover in verse 37, The Lord delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear. He will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go and the Lord be with you. You notice Saul was taller than everyone else. He stood head and shoulders above everyone else. He wasn't moving. You know, a, a right coward he was. Here was this overgrown glandular case called Goliath. And um, he said, I'm not moving. And, and all the children of Israel had stood petrified by this one man. David comes along. He sees it from God's perspective. This man, he defies the armies of the living God. See, when opposition comes, they're not opposing you. They oppose God. If you start realizing who you are in God, then you begin to see things from a different perspective. That's providing you're walking in him. Then suddenly, you see, they've got trouble. They're always in trouble. God's on our side. If God be for me, who can be against me? Amen? Are you with me so far? Okay, but are you a one-stone person or a five-stone person? And what's the difference? why is it important? That's a question, isn't it? Well, I'll answer it in a minute, if you want to know. But it's so important to know what you are. See, I've heard a lot of theories, but this is, this is what God says. Uh, and this, I didn't find this in any book. Not that there's anything wrong with books, you know. When people can't do anything else, they write them. Verse 40. And he took his staff in his hand. David did. Um, oh, let's take verse 39. And David girded his sword upon, uh, upon his armor and he essayed to go 
for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off him, and he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook, and put them in a shepherd's bag which he had, even in a scrip. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near the Philistine. Hey, he chose what? Five smooth stones. Why? See, it depends whether you're a one stone man or a five stone man. Five smooth stones. Have you ever thought about it? Five smooth stones, see? And he puts them in his script and he takes them. Five smooths. Now, look what happens. You know, the Philistine, he gets all hoity-toity. And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David. A man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. For he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog? The answer is yes. You know, people always know what they are. This fellow was a dog. That thou comest to me with staves, and the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Notice uh, who, what he did. He used his gods and invoked his gods to curse. See, he was defying the armies of the living God, and he was using his gods to curse David. Very important to always notice. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword, and with a spear, and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee, and take thy head from thee. And I will give thy carcass to the host of the Philistines this day, and the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day, unto the fowls of the air, unto the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. I like it, don't you? That's what I'm going to do, says David. Glory to God. Huh. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Now, here's the idea. Look, all the assembly are going to know something. What are they going to know? The battle is the Lord's. In your life, every battle isn't your battle, it's God's battle. In your situation, every battle you face isn't your battle. It's God's battle. We tend to personalize and take God out of our situation. When things go wrong and the enemy comes against us, I want to tell you what we do. Whether it's in physical need, whether it's in spiritual need, financial need, you always get the idea that it's your fight. It's not your fight. God is God. Do understand it's not your fight. It's God's fight. When people lie and cheat, and they do, 
And when people slander, I want to tell you who's in problems. They are. Don't ever think it's someone else. It's God's war. We fight God's battles. I tell you, we fight God's battles in the sense we stand there and watch God do it. And he uses us as instruments. Don't ever get it wrong. The devil is a liar. What is he? And you think it's your battle. That's when you get in trouble. All the children of Israel sat there and looked at that great Philistine and they were petrified of him and they thought, we're in trouble, we, we're going to be defeated, we're going to be overcome. They forgot to bring God into the equation. This wasn't a man who was defying them, he was defying God and the armies of the living God. Hey, this person was in trouble. They were in trouble right up to their eyebrows if you like to put it that way there, there's no way you can stand against God and win when you stand against God you're gonna lose you're gonna lose I find a lot of people they think they'll win I tell you they're gonna lose people don't like it they, they don't like to admit anymore that there's a hell there is I know. I think I went in the place next to it. It's called Palm Springs. It was so hot. My goodness me, if you want to know what is uncomfortable Palm Springs is, when it gets up to that temperature, you walk outside in the air, you breathe in, nearly burns your lungs. I thought, how do people live here? You get used to it after a day or two. It's nice to have a swimming pool outside the back door. I tell you and to drink water. If you're one of those that doesn't hydrate properly, you soon learn to hydrate and drink and drink and drink when you're in a place like that. There is a hell. Here's the people to fight, but it depends whether you're a one stone man or a five stone man. That's the question. I, I, and I want you to think about it. See what you are. Because that, that's the only important thing in your life. There's a lot of people who fight the giants in their life. Face things, but they don't understand what they're doing. Okay? And David, oh, um, verse uh, 48. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came near and came and drew nigh to meet David that David hasted and ran towards the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it. That means he put it in his sling. Doesn't mean he spoke slang. He slang it put it in his sling okay
and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth bang that's lovely isn't it hmm? I love this story you know it, it's a story all the children you always want to teach your children this story it's a nice bloody story for them uh, he just, in goes the stone boom, and he falls on his face Boom. Nice. Now a lot of you are one stone people, you're happy with that. See? You get a problem in your life and you're happy with it. Because you come against the problem, faith rises in your heart and hey, you fight! But unfortunately, you don't understand what it is to have five stones. Bang. Now why did he take five when it took one? Because he was smart. You see, and not many Christians are smart. When they come to God, all they want is their need met, their instant need met. All they want is a crisis dealt with in their life. What they want is God to meet a specific need. What they don't understand is that wasn't how David prepared himself. He had a vision from God. He saw beyond that. And what was beyond that? I'll tell you what was beyond that. Well, we'll just we'll do this story first. Are you a one-stone man? You know, are you one of these people you just... All you do is ever always deal with the instant problem. Now the instant problem, a miracle of healing, is fine. But I'll tell you this, it takes more than an instant miracle to help you in life. I see people that come and get healed, trouble is they don't change their lifestyle. And so it's not long before they're back in the same mess. I see a lot of people come and the way they got into their mess they don't do anything about. What they do is they come to the crisis they deal with the crisis and leave the mess. And they don't understand the mess that took them into the crisis is going to take them right back into it. And a one stone man all he's concerned about is God deliver me from the difficulty I'm in. Okay the difficulty you're in needs help. But you need to understand that you're a one stone man. And you're a fool. That's not the way God intends it. That's why people end up. Benny Hinn got a real gift of healing. He noticed that he prayed for people. Five years later they came back. They were completely healed. Five years later they were back in the prayer lines again. Same problem. Why? One stone people. Never change lifestyle. I, I deal with people all the time. My problem is this. They come when there's a crisis. Trouble is, they only want the crisis dealt with. They don't want the cause of the crisis dealt with. 
You see, there's always a cause that got you to the place you're in. And the cause isn't what's the problem. The cause has produced the problem. The problem you want dealt with, the cause you don't. And you're one stone man. Now why did David go to a brook and pick five smooth stones? Well, the answer's in the book, of course. You always find every answer's in the book. Do you want to know what the answer is? Some of you probably know anyway. Do you want to know what the answer is? I'll tell you what the answer is. Okay? You want to know? Well, that's not very convincing. Do you want to know? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. No, are you really sure? Because yes. you're in trouble now. If you really want to know, you'll be without excuse. You see, when a Goliath arises, a crisis comes in your life, and you face the giant, and you bring the giant down, you better watch out. Because I want to tell you, as surely as he lived, he's got a seed. And you'll find his seed. If you read it, you'll go over with me to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel 21. I love the Bible. You know, if you read the Bible, you can never go wrong. Providing you understand it. And you just need a Holy Ghost for that. I never read this in a book. I haven't ever heard anyone else speak on it, but there you are. I've never been one of those who needs Verse 20, and there was yet a battle in Gar, where was a man of great stature that had on every hand six fingers and on every um, foot six toes. Turn to the person next to you say, let's have a look at your hands. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's a bit odd, isn't it? Six toes, six fingers. Huh? Imagine going and trying to buy a pair of gloves for someone like that. Spoil Christmas, that would. Um, <laughs> verse 21. Oh, and he was also born to the giant. And when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shemir, the brother of David, slew him. These four were born to the giant in Garth and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. I want to tell you, Goliath had four sons. When David went and he challenged Goliath, he took four extra stones. He knew there were four sons. There was a seed, there was an inheritance there, and hey, if they came, he was going to kill them all. And the armies of God, I tell you what they did, they wiped out the seed. And there's one thing you need to do in your life. You need to wipe out not only the giant, you better wipe his seed right out of your life. The crisis that come is one thing. The thing is, you need to wipe out everything 
You don't deal with the cause. You don't deal with the after effects. What you deal with is just the crisis. I see so many people come to God and the only thing they're concerned about is the crisis. They're not concerned about what produces it. They're not concerned about what spirited it into their being. What they're concerned about is the crisis. They just feature that. When you're sick, you feature the disease. But what caused it? <coughs> hey, if you eat wrong, you live wrong, you behave wrong, you've got a crisis in your life, it came, and it came because you went the wrong way. But dealing with the crisis isn't going to deal with the roots. And that seed will be in you, and I want to tell you, there's other giants going to rise up because as surely as night follows day, he sad other things in your life. And you will find you won't deal with one, you'll deal with four. That's why Jesus put it this way. If you go and you drive a demon out, and you deal with a thing, and you don't clean house, and you don't make sure that the thing's dealt with, what happens? Seven others come back and the last state is worse than the first. I see so many Christians come and they get a touch from God but they never deal with the problem. They won't deal and face with the issues and with the seed and when they don't deal with it, I'll tell you what happens, it's not long before those other giants arise and suddenly it's not one, it's seven. One stone man. David wasn't a one stone man. He was a fight. I'm going to deal with this giant. I'm going to deal with his seed. What happened to those sons? I tell you, they ran for their lives. They ran. Big as they were, they got out. But they didn't escape. And you know there was only one giant killer amongst the children of Israel? His name was David. But you'll look and you'll find there were other giant killers after that. David led the way and others said, hey, if he can do it, I can do it. And suddenly he had a group of people that were giant killers. His brother was a giant killer. Up to that point, his brother had sat in the tent frightened to death. Once he saw what David could do with a stone, and kill the giant and use his own sword to chop his head off hey he became a giant killer you can look at things in life and you can say it's too big I want to tell you take courage if other people have slain giants you can too amen all of a sudden you find there were mighty men these were men who had hidden in caves these were men do you remember when David went off and he hid from Saul and all the people that were in debt <laughs> Debt's not a good thing. Thing about debt. Debt destroys. I get worried when I see people go into debt. Hey, smart guys, you are too smart for your own comfort. Get a bigger mortgage, get a bigger house, get a bigger home, get a bigger this, get a bigger that. Oh, everything's fine and hunky-dory, but there'll come a day when you're straightened. And when you're straightened, your debt will be your noose. 
You say, well, no, no. Oh, yes, yes. Hear the word of the Lord. You hear it. I want to tell you something. Don't ever believe that debt is a good thing. It's not. Oh, you can pay the payments. Yeah, sure you can while the interest rate's low. Oh, you can make a profit. Yeah, sure you can at a certain situation. But it changes. As night follows day, everything changes. I saw a lot of people look very wealthy go bankrupt. It was called a crash. When the crash comes, you better have laid up store. Remember Joseph? He said, okay, there are fat years, but they're sure going to be lean years. And Pharaoh, you better be ready. Pharaoh speaks of the world. I find too many Christians, when the times of fatness come, they think there's never going to be leanness. But if there's fatness, there's leanness. Always happens. And then it's the giants that rise up that slay you. You never dealt with that seed. You never dealt with the cause inside. It's called covetousness. Envy, jealousy, you know, oh, I want to get things better, bigger. Why? You want to show everyone how successful you are, sucker. That's not success, that's suicide. God doesn't intend us to commit suicide. I'm telling you, it's coming. Mark my words. You might have seven fat years, but you're going to get seven lean years. And when they come, there are going to be a lot of people going begging. God's blessing is there so you don't have to fall. But mark my words, if you don't take account of it, when the lean years come, you're going to be sorry. Live off the fatness of the land, but if you eat the seed, you're in trouble. See, you'd never dealt with the giants. <laughs> you took one stone, you dealt with the crisis, and now, hey, everything's hunky-dory. It isn't. Because you're mounting up for yourself a mountain that when it falls on you, it's going to crush you. And you think you're smart. You're a fool. You say, oh no. I want to tell you, there's some sitting here, the mountain's going to fall on them. God told me. And when God tells me things, I want to tell you, as much as I hope it doesn't happen, it's going to happen. The mountain's going to come right down on you. 
and when it does it's going to crush you you can fall on God or you can let the mountain fall on you that's what the Bible teaches you've got to deal with the cause your inheritance from your father's fathers doesn't come on you but you better make sure the habit isn't in you because if the habit's in you and you don't understand what's going on you took one stone for the crisis you never took the five to kill off the real thing hear me it'll happen it always comes God puts things in the scriptures for our admonition for our warning if we don't take counsel and we don't take uh, wisdom from it we're fools David was no fool <laughs> he went in that brook he could see Goliath but I'll tell you what David saw beyond that he saw the four sons he said, hey, Goliath might be the problem today, but there's four sons. If these four sons come to help their father, I'll slay them all. And he picked five stones out of the brook, not just one. He went prepared. And I'll tell you what, the armies of David slew them all. Glory to God. Got rid of them all. That's what I love. Our God never puts anything in scripture that hasn't got a purpose to teach us something we tend to just say oh well he took five stones but but hey he knew one stone was gonna do it but nothing's wasted in God you'll find in the scripture there's always reason look for the reason why do you realize there's Goliath with four sons don't know what his mum thought when one popped out with extra fingers and toes hmm. wonder what the mother was like imagine feeding someone as a giant hmm? our God's a good God amen you need to be a five stone person don't you you don't want to just deal with a crisis in your life you want to deal with everything that's going to trap you look <laughs> if God prospers you he prospered you that you might be a blessing in the household of God he didn't prosper you that you might live to yourself David said look it's the armies of the living God they defy. But don't you take the gifts of God and use them for yourself. Boy, you're going to be in trouble. Because those other giants are going to spring up. And boy, when the mountain falls, it's going to fall on you so quick. Who do you live for? I live for Jesus.
What are you building? Treasure in heaven? Or treasure on earth? Where's your values? So easy to get your eyes off what God really put you on earth to do. You're now a living witness of the living king. You're not here for yourself, you're here for him. And if you're not here for him, don't call yourself a Christian. Call yourself what you are. A heathen with religious beliefs. I live for him. You know, Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, first thing you have to do is, hello? No, first thing you have to do, deny self. Number one, self-denial. What does that mean? That means you deny your ways, your wants, your ambitions, your life, your prosperity. You lay your hand on it and you say, no! Deny self. You don't live for self. In the volume of the book it is written of me, they said of Jesus, I come to do thy will, O God. As I've said so many times before, in the Lord's Prayer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Who's going to do God's will on earth? You. If you don't do it, it won't get done. But what is God's will? God's will is for you first to deny yourself. I find some people, when God blesses them and when God prospers them, the last thing they ever think of is self-denial, it's self-gratification. Hello? Hello? You all gone quiet? Hello? Is that right? Huh? Oh, you know. Self-denial. Deny yourself. What do you do next? Take up your cross. What do you do next? Follow him. You want to be a disciple? Don't you be a disciple full of self-gratification, living for yourself, and think you can call yourself a Christian. You're a liar. You build bigger barns. You build greater houses. You build, but you're a fool. Because there'll come a day when your soul's required of you. And then who's going to own them? God gave us standards to live by. And it's time we realize that the Goliath hasn't only got to come down, but his seed has got to be struck right out of our beings. Amen? Everything has to change. Everything. It's not sufficient to deal with a crisis. It's your life. Everything on the altar. That's the only way to live. Everything. Self-denial is part of life. If you don't deny yourself, there comes a day when you're going to meet your maker and he's going to say you're a fool.
fool. That's not a good place to be, is it? Oh, but he was successful. He built bigger barns. Oh, he was successful in greater things. <laughs> but whose success? A fool's success. God deliver us from stupidity. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Or are you all going quiet? You know, you you go quiet. So, oh. I've seen deliverance come to people. I've seen God do beautiful miracles, but I've seen those same people, the Goliath slain, but the seed is never dealt with. What got you in the mess is what needs dealing with now. Okay, kill the giant, but watch out for his seed. One stone man or five stone man? The smart man looks at the causes, looks at what's going to come. He picks up five smooth stones. Says, right, Goliath, there's one for you, but I've got one for each of your sons too. I'm going to wipe your name off the face of the earth. And he did. It was a male seed destroyed. Glory. Isn't it a lovely story? When you know, I, I got up this morning, I, I, you know, I flew, uh, <laughs> I don't know, 13 or 14 hours yesterday, uh, and we got home, and I didn't go to bed, I got up this morning, and when I was in the shower, God spoke to me about a one-stone person and a five-stone person. See? It's good to take a shower every day. It gives God a chance to speak to you. I once said that in the church. You know, I, God spoke to me in the bath. I found people were trying to get God to reach them in the bath. No, no. Um, you know, I, I just find God speaks to me when God speaks to me. I want to tell you today, there are people here who have made a big mistake. Your Goliath is gone, but the seed is alive, and you only picked up one stone. You thought you could deal with one thing, but God wanted you to deal with everything. You thought it was possible to deal with the one enemy that was causing the crisis without realizing there were other enemies lurking there, and they were ready to rise up. <laughs> glorious deliverance all the enemies ran they fled but I tell you what it wasn't long before they defied did you notice same thing look with me in in that chapter um, 2 Samuel 21 verse 21 and when he what defied Israel see <laughs> that same spirit was right in him that came from his father. Ha! This giant came to defy Israel. Tell you, there's disease that goes around. 
You go and you say, God, deliver me. God meets you, heals you. But I tell you, there's a cause it got there. There's sin in your life. A crisis comes, you deal with it. But the problem was, the sin that caused the crisis isn't the problem. The problem's the whole seed of it. Bondage comes in your life, comes like a mountain. You ask God to deliver you, he does. But what caused the bondage isn't dealt with. And so up it springs again. And you say, was I delivered? Yeah, you were delivered. Trouble was, you didn't realize that you had to be a five-stone person, not a one-stone person. We only deal with crises in our lives. We're the type of people that we deal with the issue that's predominant. It dominates. Goliath dominated. There were all the other Philistines there. There were his sons there. But Goliath was the one who defied God. Goliath was the one who stood out. But I want to tell you, Goliath stood there because he had an army behind him. He had four sons behind him. What he didn't know was there was going to be a David who wasn't just coming with one stone, was coming with five. And when they saw, the son saw what he'd done to, he'd done to their father, they fled. But it wasn't long before they started defying Israel again. You get hold of the problem and you come with faith and you say, God set me free. Yeah. And the army's fled. Yes. And the giant's dead. Yes. And David chopped off his head and he stuck it under his arm and he walked through the city. Can you imagine? With a giant's head under his arm. I'm sure he didn't trim the ends. Blood dripping down still. Nice big giant's head. Under it, it says it was under his arm. What a bloody mess it was. You know, chop off someone's head. And he marched through the city. And they said, Saul has slain his thousand, David his ten thousand. He hadn't even slain one. But he got the four stones still in his pouch. <laughs> the armies had fled but he knew there were four sons still alive David was out there to deal with them all you've got to be one of those who sees beyond the crisis hey God doesn't want to deliver me just from my crisis God wants to deliver me into life he wants me to be what Jesus wants me to be he wants to change everything we need to be aware that a meeting with God and just a dealing with a crisis is not the answer. The answer is you have to deal with the whole, the very seed and root of it. You have to get down to the very depth and deal with it all. You can chip away at the fruit, but I tell you, if you don't lay an axe to the root, and watch out when there's several roots you want to lay an axe to all of them that's why David picked up the five stones I'm gonna eradicate the very roots he did that's what has to happen in your life 
Many of you have had experiences of God and you've said, well, glory to God. Many of you came because there was a Goliath in your life. And you say, hey, wonderful, I'm delivered. But you forget the crisis bought you. But there are other things lurking there that you never dealt with. Amen. Hello. Are you hearing me? Let me tell you. If you don't take action today, it won't be long before you regret what I've said. There is coming a time of leanness. And I'm not prophesying, I'm just telling you. There's coming a time, but you're going to be caught with the mountain. Because you weren't smart. You thought it'll always be the same. But it's not. Things are going to change. All over the world, things are changing rapidly. I don't believe it's the end time. Don't, don't get me wrong. Don't you get into that rubbish. I'm not, you know, wanting to believe any of that rubbish. Occupy till he comes. We've got to reach the lost. Amen? Our calling is to reach out to those that have never heard. Don't ever you get the idea. All I'm telling you is you want to be able to unencumber yourself so that the giants can't rise up in your life and crush you. You don't want crisis after crisis, time to get rid of the seed. Hmm? One of the worst seeds to get in a life is debt. Debt's easy when you can manage it, but it can mighty quick when circumstances change be a crushing thing. Mm, and times of plenty, you laugh at it. It's insignificant. But the times of plenty are coming to an end. Then who's going to own you? You see, in times of crisis, when the giants arise, I want to tell you something. You slay one, but you've got seven in their place. You cleaned house, but you didn't fill the house with the right thing. See, when you clean house, you better get Jesus inside. He better be the whole focus of your life. If he isn't, seven come back. And when the seven come back, they'll overcome you. And the last state's going to be worse than the first. Ah, those are the words of Jesus. I'm a Jesus man. I know there's a lot of Holy Ghost people. I'm a Jesus man. I want to tell you this. I believe what Jesus said is what counts. Clean house. Kill the giant. Watch out. 
got to fill the void with something, haven't you? I tell you, the only way to fill it is when you deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. He has to be the center of your life. I loved a story I heard Bill Wilson was on um, television. Was on there talking. Here's the chap, if you've not read his book, get it from the bookshop and read it. Lovely story. He deals with the, the, the street kids. Got over 20,000 in his Sunday school in New York. Lovely man. Bill Wilson was on. And these guys were all around him and he said, well, and he talks in a husky voice because he had TB. Got it when he was over in uh, Malaya, Manila, Manila. And he got TB and so his voice real husky. But he said this, he said, you know, he said, in his husky voice, which I'm not going to try and imitate, because he's coming in December, I think, or is it December he's coming? November. He'll be here in November. Because I like to have the best people come. He'll be with us in November. And um, he said this, uh, he said there was a little boy he was taking, he drives the coach for the Sunday school, he said. And this little boy was sick and he threw up. And he said he asked him what was wrong. And usually n none of the kids will say what's wrong. They're street kids. They, they don't have, don't even some of them know who their father and mother was. And this little kid of maybe 12 or 13, he threw up. Uh, um, Bill Wilson said to him, he said, what's wrong? And he said, well, he said, um, I haven't eaten for four days. And so I've just been drinking water to try and get rid of the hunger. And Bill was so appalled, this little kid hadn't eaten for four days, that he pulled up into a, uh, one of these deli places and went out and bought the kid a sandwich and he gave him a sandwich and after the meeting the little boy came to Bill Wilson and he said you know he said that's the best sandwich I've ever tasted he said it was so good he said I've kept half of it for the next two days. I wonder how Christians can buy their jets, can live the way they do and not care. little boy hadn't eaten for four days he'd given a sandwich and he puts half of it in his pocket it'll keep him for the next two days sometimes 
We get things out of perspective, don't we? Jesus put us on the earth to be the answer. He didn't come to be the answer for your needs. He bled and died for the whole world. He didn't come to prosper you so you could be rich. He came so that you could eradicate poverty. He came that you could make a difference. You see, killing Goliath leaves the seed. And in the end, I find Christians don't care anymore. They care for themselves. They forget the pit from which they were dug. They forget the hole from which they came. Suddenly it doesn't matter about them anymore, it just matters about me. God meet my need. God bless me. God bless the work of my hand. God prosper me, 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 me. And God becomes your personal servant. when you're meant to be his servant. God becomes your provider when he meant you to be the provider. My question is, are you a one stone person? You deal with the crisis for yourself or are you a five stone person? says, hey, I'm put on this earth to make a difference. Jesus said to the rich man, he said, you kept the law, but one thing you lack. See, he got his vision all wrong. What did he lack? Well, he lacked the wisdom to see that when God prospers, you better be careful what you do with it. There's seven bountiful years, but as sure as night follows day. Are you going to store up treasure in heaven or treasure on earth? Are you going to be one of those who lives for the king of kings or one who lives for yourself? Want everyone to know how successful you are? Or do you want the God of heaven? to use your life to change others. It's a question. I don't know. I feel sad. I see so many who don't understand. They live for themselves. And as time goes on, their needs get greater, and as their needs get greater, it becomes more self-consuming. Instead of consumed by the King of Kings. You see, a five-stone person understands. 
Why, five is the number of grace. By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Amen. That's what God spoke to me in a second. That's what he said. And he told me to tell you. Tell you. I don't know that I could live with myself. I know there's a little kid who has to keep half a sandwich for the next two days. Jesus kept saying, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. This morning I want to ask you this question, have you got ears to hear what's been said? Have you killed the giant Goliath but failed to realize there's another one here? I cleaned house, but I never filled it with Jesus. And suddenly, he's come and bought seven more. You see, you're either doing God's will today and you're living for God 100%, or you're living for yourself and God's an add-on. Jesus intended to be the center of your life. King of kings, Lord of lords. He loves you. He's a good God. He's not here to condemn you. here to save you. I don't speak the word to drive you away, but to wake you up. Who are you living for? What you're living for. I don't say it because I need your money. I don't. God knows I don't. Your money perish with you. I don't need it. But what about your soul? As a friend, let me tell you, there's nothing else in life. Nothing in life I want to be, but simply one who follows thee. I don't want wealth. I don't want fame. I simply want to glorify your name. I don't need the things this world would give. I only need the blessing of your life. There's nothing else that I desire. There's nothing on earth.
nothing that I desire. Just you, Lord. Is that your way you live? I look over the earth and I, I see the games men play with God. I look at the gimmicks they produce and then I, I think of Jesus. I, and I just see something so different. I, and I want to be like him. Don't you? He wasn't poor. I'm not saying that. I don't believe in poverty. It's from hell. <laughs> I don't believe in that. Don't get me wrong. I don't want you to take a vow of poverty. No, no, no. But I want you to live to glorify him. He wants to prosper. He wants to bless you. He wants all the nations to the earth to know you're blessed. But how will they know? Because they'll see what you do with what you have. Let me give you an example. This is something else he said to me this morning. You know, when God starts speaking, he speaks. He said to me something very interesting. That the little boy with the five loaves and the two small fish, he, he, he came, and when the disciples saw it, they despised it, but it was sufficient to feed a multitude. And he came and he gave it, and it fed the multitude. And then there were... 12 baskets full over and he got one basket back full because he had a little basket to this boy and when they collected up he went home God wants to take the little you have and multiply it but it only gets multiplied when it gets to Jesus' hands now there's two ways of multiplying things you can multiply it in your hands or you can put it in the right hands but when you put it in the right hands, there's an abundance over. Not only will it meet the needs of a multitude, but it'll also meet your needs. 5,000 men besides women and children. So who knows, it could have been 20,000. But it had to be in the right hands. You see, the little boy had to give away what he had in order to have it multiplied. Do understand that. It had to be put in the right hands. <laughs> One stone or five stones. Do you hear? God's for you. And if God be for us, who can be against us? And where are you this morning? Holy Ghost is a true and faithful witness. Amen? I want to pray for you. Close your eyes. This day, just close your eyes. Don't look around. The Holy Ghost takes the word of God and he applies it to hearts. It's not anyone else's business. 
I'm challenging you this morning. Have you ears to hear what the Holy Ghost is saying? Are you going to be his disciple? If you know God spoke to you and you know it's the Holy Ghost, I don't want you to move from where you are, but you know, hey God, I've been a one stone person. I haven't got rid of the seed. I didn't realize the implication. I just dealt with Goliath. I need the axe laid to the roots. Right where you are, I want you to put your hand up, your right hand, just raise it up. If you say, that's me, I see. I'm living for myself, I'm a fool. I don't want to live for myself. I want to live for you. Put your hand right up so God can see it. Don't anyone else look around, it's none of your business. I want to pray for you where you are. I don't want you to move. I don't want you to come down the front. Put your hand right up. If you put it up, don't take it down. You say, that's me. I heard the word. It applies. If you've got a fight inside and you know you've got giants in there, you better get your hand up. If you know it's God. I want to pray for you. It's as though my hand were on your head this morning. I want you to hear the word of God. I want you to know that times of leanness are coming. But you don't have to fall under them. The mountain doesn't need to fall on you. God's made provision. Father, in the name of Jesus, I curse every afflicting force. Lord, I just pray for each one with their hands raised this morning. Lord, you speak the word and your word goes forth and it won't return to you void. It's going to accomplish what you sent it to do. And I just pray for each one they might know this moment. That word that's been spoken will accomplish what it's sent to do. Lord, it's an incorruptible word of life. I rebuke the devourer, I break every yoke, I loose every fetter, and I command fulfillment of that word in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Put your hands down.